Startup Nation, we tell you all the time that no one does anything great on their own. That includes starting a business or a nonprofit or even becoming a thought leader or an influencer. My point is that you need a team to do it successfully and responsibly. And that is why you should contact DR and Associates. Danielle and her team provide branding solutions along with digital and social media marketing that provide tangible results you are looking for. No matter if you are a Fortune 500 company or an author looking to make an impact, DR and Associates needs to be part of your team. They are one of the few firms whose leadership has been recognized by Google, which is proof of concept that they are very good at what they do. Contact DR and Associates today to grow your online presence. The number is 615-933-3681, or you can visit their website at drandassociates.com. Also, make sure you follow their Facebook page as well. DR and Associates, providing real clients with real results. Startup Nation, do you have friends and loved ones that you want to do something nice for, but maybe they live in the next city, the next state, or even halfway around the world? Well, I have a solution for you. Koya is the new and best way to let your friends and family know you're thinking of them. Choose a friend, record a message, and hide it in a location that they are likely to visit and give them a clue. When they arrive, your message will instantly appear. You can even send them a gift. Best of all, the app is completely free. Get Koya.com to download it now. That's K-E-T-K-O-Y-A.com. Or check the link in the show notes. Koya, show you care when you can't be there. This week on The Startup Life. Gotcha. Where you're headed off to see a client, a customer, or whatever you're doing. And so it greatly increases the amount of mileage that people are able to write off and gives them a much higher deduction at the end of the year. All right, Startup Nation, so let's take flight with Diane Gardner, founder of Adept Business Solutions. The Startup Life begins now. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Startup Nation, I hope you're ready to receive some value today. We have a superstar, a tax superstar in the building today. She is an expert tax professional, saving her clients, get this Startup Nation, over $3 million in taxes. She's also the author of Unleash the Power of Tax Planning, 12 powerful tax strategies that will legally reduce your tax liability. And let's be honest, Startup Nation, when we talk about our business and stuff like that, we're always looking to reduce the headache, but also get an advantage when it comes to our taxes. She is the one, the only, Diane Gardner. How's it going, Diane? Wonderful, Dominic. Thank you so much for having me on your program today. No worries. Are you ready to pour some knowledge in the Startup Nation today? I am ready. Let's go for it. Awesome stuff. As always, Startup Nation, this is the Startup Life Podcast, powered by the Binge Podcast Network. So, Diane, first things first, let's 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 set this party off right. Just kind of share with us your origin story and how you uh, got into this point in your career. Well, Dominic, I'm going to go back to the recessionary time period, back in 2008, 2009, okay. 2010. Mm. Back in 
Prior to that time period, I was a plain vanilla, boring accountant. I have to admit it. And I was at the point of practically losing my business back then. So many of my clients had gone out of business and of course they left owing me money. And I was sitting there one day going, what in the world am I going to do? I can't keep going on like this. I, I just purchased a building in 2007, my office building. And I was in panic mode. What am I going to do? And I had been coaching with a business coach. And he says, you've got to come up with a niche of some sort. You've got to make yourself different from every other accountant out there. And so I started exploring and looking. And I came across a group of tax planners. And they had a whole training program in place. And I said, that will do it. I know it's the recession. Nobody's making money. Well, that was my thought. <laughs> but that will do it. Learning how to become a tax planner. And as a result, it caused me to move away from just working out of my small town in northern Idaho mm -hmm. to now working nationwide with successful entrepreneurs. And I get to put money back in their pockets. I get to coach with them and teach them how to control their cash flow instead of it controlling them. And life is amazing now. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing all of that for sure. So let me ask you this, because you say you were a plain vanilla, boring accountant or whatever, but I want to ask you, have you always been like a fan of numbers? Have you always been a numbers person? Is there like a, a story from your childhood where your mom's like, you know what, she's going to be an accountant or something to do with numbers. Are there any stories like that from your past? Well, when I was in high school, I took a shop class. Okay. And my shop class teacher's wife happened to be an accountant mm. and I got to know them and spent time at their house and, you know, did spend some time with them. And I thought when I grow up, I want to be an accountant. Numbers had always come easy to me. Um, I did not do well, like in science classes. So I knew I wasn't headed to the medical field or any of that type of thing, but numbers came easy to me. Now, back then I didn't really know what being an accountant meant, but I headed off to college and got my degree in accounting Went to work for a couple CPA firms and thought, yeah, I really like working with small business owners. Then when I went out on my own, I've just specialized in small business owners. First down in California where I was working and then now I've been back in Idaho for 25 years. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing all of that for sure. So I want to kind of dive into the book right now. And once again, Startup Nation, it's called Unleash the Power of Tax Planning, 12 Powerful Tax Strategies That Will Legally Reduce Your Tax Liability. And you can get that on Amazon.com. We actually have a link there in the show notes for easy access for you to purchase that book. So Diane, I want to ask you this because there's, look, let's be honest, there's tax books out there about planning, tax strategies, things of that nature. What prompted you to write this book? What were you thinking that was missing out in the marketplace? Well, Dominique, I think this is my 14th book. Okay. So I'm kind of addicted to this stuff. Okay, fair enough. And what prompted me to write it was I knew we had come through the whole new tax law and right. people were really confused about a year ago. They're starting to figure it out now, but I thought we needed to go through and update some of the planning strategies that I had in some of my other books. And so went to work and started writing this book. So I'd have something new come out, totally updated for the new tax law, as well as some tried and true strategies in there that I've been using for years. Right. But it's always good to remind people, refresh people, whatever you want to call it, with these wonderful strategies that the IRS has sitting out there in that tax code that they're, none of them are ever going to read. But I can put it into plain English and not put it in a whole bunch of just accountant type lingo, but put it into plain English for them. 
and then walk along beside them and actually help them implement it. Because that's where the the success or failure rate really happens is whether somebody will help you implement it. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. And, and Startup Nation, I just want to put a quick reminder out there that Startup Life is a political show. And so taxes is usually one of those things that is used as a political football, but that's not why we're here today. We're here to help uh, entrepreneurs to kind of go the best route and uh, as far as figuring out the tax code and what's best for their businesses. And the tax legislation that you're talking about is the Tax Cut and Jobs Act of 2017, correct? Correct, right. right. It, it kind of rocked our world right, as far right. as tax planning as I used to know it versus tax planning as I do today. Okay, well, if, if you were, since we're already there, just kind of share with us, what are some of those biggest changes or biggest things that is like, whoa, that's different, that's new, uh, that uh, Startup Nation and entrepreneurs and small business owners should be aware of? Well, I'm going to start at the personal level, just because sure, that's the easiest it. place to start. Absolutely. Um, for those of us who've been filing tax returns forever, we were used to having uh, personal deductions for your dependents, for your kids, for your spouse, you know, those types of things. Well, under the new tax law, those types of things disappeared, but the child tax credit increased from $1,000 per child to $2,000 per child. So for those with kids, they were like, woohoo, look at what we got here. Those of us without kids went out when we lost the personal exemptions, but then they doubled the standard deduction. So a lot of my clients that used to always itemize are no longer itemizing. And that has been good for some and not so good for others. But then moving on over into the business world, we have this new qualified business income deduction, which there was a lot of talk about that last year. There was a lot of confusion. How Absolutely. does this thing really work? Do I qualify for it or not? And Things are getting more clear. The water isn't quite as muddy and murky as it was last year when we were doing tax returns with minimal guidance. Um, the new QBI or Qualified Business Income Deduction applies to all pass-through type entities, meaning S corporations, partnerships, and even Schedule Cs. So those types of businesses get to take advantage of that. But there are certain businesses that don't get to take full advantage of it. And those are the specified service businesses. Those are people like myself as an accountant, attorneys, doctors, actors, those kinds of people that we're selling our intellectual knowledge. We're not putting something tangible in somebody's hands per se. And it, there's, a there's a longer list, but that's kind of the easiest way to explain it. So we are limited on the amount of deduction we can take. We're limited by our total income. So we top out at a little over 300000 for a married couple, uh, right about 150000 ish for singles. And those aren't exact numbers, but sure. as, as your income exceeds those, those thresholds, then you start losing that qualified business income deduction. So it really takes its toll on my doctors. Um, they tend to always exceed those uh, thresholds for income. Gotcha. But a lot of my other type successful businesses that are maybe a specified service business, but their income is less than that, are able to take full advantage of it. So that's been a great deduction and a nice little perk that people weren't really expecting last year. But then, then over on the C Corporation side, their top taxable rate went from 35% down to 21%. 
So that was a big deal on the bigger companies. Didn't help the smaller ones as much, but it helped right. those bigger companies out there with right. higher profits. Uh, we had some depreciation items. We have some 100% bonus depreciation that will start phasing out over the next few years. But that was a nice perk last year to encourage business owners to, to buy equipment and vehicles and things like that. So those were just kind of some of the top ones that affected my clients the most. Gotcha. And, and so the, the ones to, to where, if I, if I heard correctly, the one, it, it basically kind of boils down to when we talk about that pass through, it kind of boils down to service-based business versus product-based businesses. Kind of, sort of, as okay. far as being limited. As yeah, far as being limited. Yes. That's what right. I mean. Right. Yeah. yeah. So okay. consultants and accountants and attorneys exactly. and doctors, you know, people who are selling, I would call it your intellectual knowledge. Yes. Are the ones exactly. that are more affected by that. Exactly. And, and a reason I wanted to ask that and highlight that, because I know a lot of people in Startup Nation and people who start on their path to entrepreneurship, most of them are, well, a lot of them are, not most of them maybe, but a lot of them are service-based businesses. So that's very important to know. Thank you for sharing all of that for sure. Let me ask you this though, because I know we, we was kind of talking off air a little bit uh, about how we're kind of in the middle of tax season right now as of this recording. You know, it usually starts from like, you know, uh, for the most part, or well, a lot of people's eyes, it's like from January to like April 15th, you know, April 15th being doomsday for small business owners a lot. Of, you know, talk about when is the best time, like the absolute best time from a uh, professional standpoint, when you should start really planning, you know, your tax year, planning your to do your taxes, planning to, uh, you know, to start the process of, you know, having a uh, a decent return. Last year. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. And so I say that because by the time January to April hits, it's too late to do anything for last year. We can't change those numbers. That chapter is closed. And so now we're starting to plan for the, for the 2020 season, meaning that as I'm meeting with clients right now, we're looking at their entity types. We're looking to see if they're in the right retirement type plan or even if they have one or not. We're looking to see, are they utilizing the home office deduction if they're, if they're working from home? Are they utilizing maximum vehicle type expenses, especially if they work from home, but, but otherwise as well? You right. know, we're looking at, are they picking up these low hanging fruit type deductions before we go into high, more higher standard type tax planning that are way more complicated things like um, enterprise zones and, and getting into some of those type of things that are, you know, you know, fewer people are affected by them. And so since I was going to ask this later on, but since we're already there, I want to ask you this because you talked about home office use and those tax implications there. Let's say I'm a small business owner and I have um, uh, like an office, like in an office building or whatever the case may be, but I also do have a home office where I've, I've retro, I've outfitted like a, 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 a extra room to be a home office. What are, are there, are there any tax implications there? Because I see a lot of people who are entrepreneurs, you know, like consultancies or whatever the case may be, where they have like multiple offices, where it's like, there's a, you know, office in an office building, and then there's like the home office. Are there any tax implications there we should be aware of? There really are, Dominique. Okay. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the example of, let's use a real estate agent just because they're pretty cut and dry. 
Got they it. can rent office space from their broker, but they can also work from home. And a lot of them do both as well as other kinds of business, but that's just a really easy one to use as an example. So the tax law says that your office, to be able to write off your home office, it has to be the place where you do your paperwork, where you do your administrative work, your bookkeeping work, maybe some of your marketing, your, you know, those kinds of functions have to be, have have to happen from the home office. So it's more your, you know, the more the administrative side of your business, because I know a lot of people will rent a space so they can meet with clients or customers at this rented space, but they Absolutely. do all the stuff at Absolutely. home. And that's why I wanted to ask that, but go ahead. I'm sorry. So that's why a real estate agent is a good example because they meet people at the broker's office potentially, and then they take them from there to go show them a house or something. Right. But they do all their main work from home, at least most of the ones that I work with do. So you can take that same example now and put it into a consultant or put it into other type of a service business person. So there's a lot of spaces out there where you can rent rooms by the hour even, where you've got a conference room or something, you know, these shared working type spaces. So if they're doing that type of thing, then their home office really is their place where they're doing all the administrative and the management side of their business. And then that allows it to be deductible. Gotcha. But if they're doing it on the flip side, then not so much. Like myself, who I have a spot at home that I can take work home and work on it. But I do all of my administrative and management stuff here in my main office. Then I'm not able to write off my home office. Understood. Understood. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. One of the best things about having a home office as your main office uh, falls into the uh, mileage deduction area Ah, because when when like myself i leave my home and i come to my main office my home to office miles are not deductible every day but if i go from the office out to a client's place of business or to a meeting or something like that and back those miles are but not from home but when you have a home office soon as you walk outside there your front door you're now headed into a business type commute or whatever you want to call it gotcha. where you're headed off to see a client, a customer or whatever you're doing. And so it greatly increases the amount of mileage that people are able to write off and gives them a much higher deduction at the end of the year. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that for sure. Now, Diane, I'm probably for to ask you probably the most, you know, asked about question that I get all the time. And clearly I'm not a tax professional, but I'm glad we have you on the show. But one of the things that we see often with entrepreneurs, especially new entrepreneurs, is when they're trying to expand and hire help, right? And then there's that that differentiation between employee or independent contractor. A lot of times people get in trouble uh, uh, treating, you know, having like, you know, they're saying they're independent contractors, but treating them more like employees. Kind of break that down for us, if you would, as far as like, how do you differentiate the two? And what are those tax implications if you don't follow directions? You bet. Boy, that's a hot area with the Absolutely. IRS. They are back hitting on that one again. They let it lie for a few years that they're back on it right now, looking for ways that they can make somebody become an employee. So the IRS takes the stance that unless you can prove otherwise, you're my employee. And so the burden of proof rests with this small business owner And a lot of it boils down to who has control, financial and otherwise, 
So Dominic, if you and I are working on a project together and I come in and, and say, okay, I will do this piece of the project for this amount of money. Right. And I come and go at, at will because I'm my, I'm my own business. So I might mm -hmm. have it scheduled. I will be there on Thursday from this time to this time. And then I'll show up on another day, but I'm setting the schedule and you're not. Mm. Then it looks like, okay, she's possibly an independent contractor. But you said, right. but wait a minute, Diane. No, 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 no. I need you to be here on this date from this time to this time to this time. And then that puts a little mark on the side of, ooh, maybe this person's an employee. Gotcha. Then we look at who's supplying the supplies and the materials and the software and whatever else needs to happen to make the job. Gotcha. Am I bringing in my own laptop and doing my own thing or am I coming into work into your office and you've provided me everything? Gotcha. So there is, we look at that, that type of a factor. Then we look at the financial side. Who's on the hook for getting paid on the job? Am I going to get paid whether you get paid for the job or not? Who? maybe I'm an employee. Are you going to pay me by the hour and it's going to be an ongoing relationship? Maybe I'm an employee. But if I'm going to say, Dominic, here's my invoice and you're going to pay it and you haven't got paid from the client yet, then okay, maybe I'm more of an independent contractor. Gotcha. So you kind of have to walk your way down each of these questions that the IRS will ask and look and see how much um, exposure to liability is there, who's got control, who's providing the stuff to be able to do the job. Some of those areas will make it lean one way or the other. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. Like I said, and, and, and you, you pointed out yourself that it's a hot topic that you get. I know it's one that we see a lot where a lot of times a lot of people get in trouble uh, because, you know, they, that line is kind of so blurred when it comes to uh, employee versus independent contractor. So I appreciate you kind of sharing that and breaking it down for us as far as like how to make those differentiations in our businesses for sure. So and, and, go ahead. I'm sorry. And I would say, if in doubt, make the person an employee. I know it's more expensive for the business owner. Gotcha. But down the road, if you get caught and they really were an independent contractor, you will owe all the payroll taxes from the date you hired them forward, potentially. Depends how far back they want to go. Right. And plus big major penalties. I've had it happen to a couple, couple clients and the penalties are horrendous. And then workers comp reaches out and grabs you because the IRS found you and then your state will reach out and grab you and then they'll make you pay unemployment taxes on it Ooh. and you just an massive mess. So if right. in doubt, make them an employee, it's cheaper in the long run. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. Now in, in your book, you talk about, you know, 529 savings plans, which a lot of people use to kind of pay, you know, for college and things of that nature. They offer me at banks and stuff all the time. Uh, but you also kind of highlight, uh, there, there's some a few downsides to the 529 savings plans. Can you guys share with those a few of those? There are some downsides to it, and it gotcha. has to do with filling out that financial aid form. Mm, okay. And I was just getting into that section of the book, <laughs> filling <laughs> out that financial aid form. Right. And what gets included and what doesn't get included for the purposes of filling out that form. Because right. sometimes having monies in a 529 plan can help and other times it can hurt mm. uh, depending on where those monies are coming from and who actually has control of them because a lot of time it's grandparents putting money into the plans right um you know to help their grandchild or that type of thing so sometimes those plans can work well other times they can backfire 
and then we move into a different type of tax planning for college and we actually like to start planning when before the child even enters junior high from mm -hmm. about that point forward is some wonderful planning opportunities so that when it comes time to fill out the FAFSA application we have the right money sitting in the right types of accounts and into accounts that don't affect the application uh, as much as other kinds of things can do. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing all of that for sure. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. How do you like being on the startup life so far, Diane? Oh, this is amazing. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're getting great value from Diane's content, but we got to pay a few bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson. This is the Startup Life Podcast, and it is powered by the Binge Podcast Network. Oralex powers this episode of The Startup Life. Startup Nation, as a podcaster, radio host, and business owner, I know a thing or two about the need for your message to come through clearly to your target audience. The last thing you want when trying to close a big deal over the phone or giving a sales presentation in your conference room is to have the person you are talking to be distracted by either the fact that you sound like you're in a warehouse or an outside noise like a fire truck. Trust me, Startup Nation. I know this all too well from experience. And that is why Oralex has your back. Oralex Acoustics creates professionally tested products that you can trust in a commercial space or at home. Better office acoustics improves intelligibility when video conferencing or generic conversation reduces stress and helps build a proactive work atmosphere. From a home studio for my content creators to your office space downtown, your gear performs better in an acoustically treated room. Trust me, you are in good hands with Oralex as they are the number one brand in acoustics, providing trusted solutions for over 40 years. Also, you can download the Oralex Acoustic Treatment mobile app in the Apple or Google Play Store to give you specifically designed and instantaneous recommendations for various room types. Go to Oralex.com and use the promo code STARTUP in all caps for 10% off your entire order. The link is there in the show notes if you are listening to the replay on the podcast. So if you are ready to stop sounding like you're having a sales meeting in a sports arena, go with Oralex. Professional audio made simple. Tresta powers this episode of The Startup Life. Okay, Startup Nation, I want to talk to you about our sponsor, Tresta. Tresta is an app for iPhone and Android that lets you do business calling and texting from anywhere. I know so many entrepreneurs that are still using their, their personal phone number for business calls. It can get complicated drawing the line between your personal and professional life. Startup Nation, this is the best business phone app out there. Whether you just need a business phone number or if your team is ready for a complete business phone system, Tresta is totally flexible and can grow with your business. And it's all unlimited. Calling, texting, and all of the powerful call management features like auto attendance, call recording, user groups, and more for just $15 per user per month. With Tresta, there's no contract and you don't need any special hardware, just your smartphone you're already using. Tresta is easy to configure so you can set everything up yourself all online. 
avoiding all the hassle and high overhead costs of setting up a traditional business phone system, which is important because as entrepreneurs, we are always trying to cut cost and time. They're often a 30-day free trial so you can see if Tresta's virtual phone system is right for you. Communicate smarter and more efficiently with Tresta. Start now at Tresta.com forward slash Startup Life. That's T-R-E-S-T-A dot com forward slash Startup Life. The link is there in the show notes if you're listening on the podcast. Tresta, business communication simplified. All right, Startup Nation, so let's do it. Diane, if you would, talk about, you know, uh, your, your company, Adept Business Services, and the work that you do there. Dominic, we love to partner with successful entrepreneurs, and I mm-hmm. define successful as somebody who's in pain over the amount of tax that they're paying. Fair enough. <laughs> because it's different for everybody. I don't just say a certain dollar amount because every industry is a little bit differently. Right. But if you're in pain over the amount of tax that you're paying, then we love to come beside them and help create a plan that will work over the next three to five years and show them different ways that that they can save a bunch of money on their taxes. Uh, You had mentioned when we first came on the air that I saved over 3 million. I think I'm coming up close now on about 4.3 million. Wow. Because I did a bunch of tax planning at the end of the year uh, prior to us booking this call. So it's, it's really, really rewarding to be able to show my clients every year when I do their income tax return, show them how much tax they save, whether it just be, you know, maybe 10 to 15,000. Then I've got those that are saving a few hundred thousand every Mm -hmm. year because we've put together this plan and then not just the plan, but then helping them implement it. And that's what separates us from most accountants that call themselves tax planners Mm. is you can pick up my book. You can follow what's in the book, but most people don't. That's great information, but they're busy running their business. They're busy trying to keep the, their staff hired. They're busy meeting the next deadline or the production goal or whatever it is. They're busy, busy, busy. And that information just sits there until somebody starts moving the pieces on your game board. And when somebody starts moving those pieces for you, then you start being able to reap the results of that. And moving those pieces can entail tax planning, but it could also entail profit planning. Because in addition to tax planning, I'm a certified profit first professional. And so we also do a lot of profit planning to help increase that bottom line number even more than what it is which then creates a tax problem. So we like to kind of hit both ends of it for a business, walk them through various strategies so that they can decrease their taxes while increasing their profits and their cash flow. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing all of that for sure. And Startup Nation, if you want to check out the website, the t- website is taxcoachforyou.com. We have a link there in the show notes for easy access where you can uh, book your time with Diane and uh, and check out all the amazing resources that she has there on her website. Once again, that link is there in the show notes for easy access. Now, Diane, let me ask you this, because I imagine when we're talking about finances and, and tax liabilities and stuff like that, and you're working with clients, I imagine sometimes that uh, clients are not always maybe truthful up front, right? And not from a standpoint of being malicious, but more so from a standpoint of it feeling, when you talk about personal finances, it feels a little personal and invasive and stuff like that. How do you kind of work through though that awkwardness of, of trying to get all the information that you can from them so that way you can do the best uh, possible service for them? Well, Dominique, we kind of look at it with a dating analogy. Okay. 
the first time we meet, maybe we just go to coffee. So we'll have a, a Zoom meeting. I'll ask some questions, get to know a little bit about their business. And during that time, they're feeling me out. I'm feeling them out. Do I want to work with this person or not? <laughs> gotcha. Do they like the way I comb my hair? I don't know, whatever, right. you know. <laughs> but, but it's that same type of thing, you know. It's they're just kind of, hmm, I don't know about this person. Hopefully, I'm going to like them. Gotcha. It helps when they've heard me on a podcast because then they get to hear me a little bit more about me. But we do have a Zoom meeting to begin with. And then if we decide, yeah, I think I want to work together, then we'll go into the next meeting. We'll be a little more in depth with what's really going on in their business. Meanwhile, I've had them send over some tax returns and financial statements and things like that so that I get my head wrapped around a little bit more what's going on in their business. And if they are ready to go forward and make the commitment to work with me, then we get to work and then I start digging pretty deep. And we're getting into not only their business information, but sometimes I have to bleed over into their personal life. Understood. Because their personal life affects their business and their business affects their personal. Um, okay. They just are basically, they go hand in hand. So um, over a period of time, you know, I'm able to develop a, a wonderful rapport and trust with these people. And that allows me to be able to get the results that they ultimately want and but it takes a certain kind of person. It takes the kind of person who's willing to take action now and right. not, not the kind of person who will sit on it and turn on it for months because that person will never, ever pull the trigger. They want to, but they're afraid to, but they want to, and they know they should, but they want to, and they don't. I want that person that says, yes, I'm ready to take action and I'm ready to do it today. I'll reach out to Diane. We'll set the appointment and we start the wheels rolling. So it, it works best when you got those kind of people that I can work with. Understood. Understood. Thank you for sharing all of that. Now, I know you're there in Idaho, but the Startup Life here, we're based in Memphis, Tennessee. And we see and hear in the news just about every year. I can't speak for Idaho anywhere else in the country, but I know we definitely see it here. We see all the time around tax season where we have people who are say they're tax professionals, but may, but may not necessarily be certified tax professionals. And we see a lot of times where there's fraudulent activity uh, in the tax space. So if I'm uh, a, a consumer, a regular consumer, I'm not a business owner or anything like that. And I'm looking for somebody as a, a certified tax professional to do my taxes because I want to get the best return possible or the best outcome possible. What are some of those things I should look for in a tax professional because I don't, I don't, I don't want to be part of any fraudulent activity and I definitely don't want to have any problems with the IRS. Right. You want somebody who's got a good reputation with the IRS, but how do yeah. you know if they have that reputation? Absolutely. Right. So um, I would say check them out online. So they, most of us that are active out there have a Facebook page. We've got a website We've got a LinkedIn page. We've got that kind of stuff rolling. So you can kind of see the information that they've been posting. Are they putting out a blog? Does it look like it's solid type content? Mm -hmm. Those types of things. Gotcha. Um, you can, I guess you can look at reviews and, and some of those. I know myself, I don't have a whole lot of reviews because I'm not really good at asking for reviews, but we're going to gotcha. get better at that. Ask around for referrals from people that you know in your general area. Okay. Most accountants don't work nationwide like I do. Most of them are pretty content with working within a, ge a certain geographic area. Right. So you should be able to ask around people in your, in your locale who would 
know, you know, who's got the good reputation and who doesn't. And then be willing to pay a higher price for that better person. And don't, you know, don't be scrimping and saving because that's not the person that you want to scrimp and save on. You want that person who's got some letters behind their name, who's got years of experience, who has wrote the book, if you want to call it that, and be willing to pay for their expertise because it is invaluable to you. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. Like, like I said, we, we see this almost every tax season where honestly here, here, uh, in the area where a, a tax company or wherever the case may be gets shut down, uh, because of like improprieties and things of that nature. Uh, but most importantly, I feel for the people, those clients who sometimes have to, uh, pay, uh, certain fines and stuff, you know, to the IRS that, you know, that was not going to say beyond their control, but because somebody kind of took advantage of them and you really hate to see that for sure. So I appreciate your uh, advice and your insight on that part. Right. And another bad thing is the IRS says that it's up to the client to understand right. their tax return and know if it's correct or not. Right. And I would say 95% of clients don't understand their own tax return. Right. And so otherwise they would have seen that there's something going on. Cause I know I've picked up many clients over the years from that type of a situation Mm-hmm. And had to go back and clean up a few years worth of tax returns for them and get them, you know, going in the direction that they thought they were going. Right. So it's really disheartening that there are people in our in our industry that are not ethical and honest and you know, but I guess when you look at you know the shape of our overall country, I you can't expect there not to be some, but unfortunately right. there are. Right, right. And, and I met well a quick follow-up if I can. Let, let's say a client comes to you. Uh, you know, and say, hey, this is what happened with a with a previous servicer of, you know, uh, with doing taxes. I, 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 you know, could you help me fix this? Is there a path where I know you can fix it, but is there a path where you and the client can have that conversation with the IRS to ask for a little bit of leniency in that regard? Or is the IRS just pretty black and white about like, no, this is the law. This is what it is. It's on your, it's your responsibility. Is there a way forward in, in kind of, you know, having that kind of leniency for the IRS? There can be. Um, okay. I say it depends on who you get at the IRS. Sometimes Understood. I don't like the answer I get, so I'll hang up and call back again. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I've done that three or four times where yeah. I finally get to an agent that's like, okay, this person has a, an idea of what real life is like. Mm-hmm. And then I can get the answers that I want. Gotcha. <laughs> so Understood. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Fair enough get to a different agent uh, because I've had agents say, Oh yeah, I, I see that they're our client of so-and-so and yeah, let uh, y'all give you some extra time to go back and amend those returns and make them correct. And you know, right. those types of things. And then I've had other agents that have not been as understanding. So that's why, you know, I will hang up and I will call back into, in the hopes I'll get a different person to talk to. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that for sure. And before we move forward, I want to ask you, uh, you know, what, what's the number one thing uh, that you often see in tax returns that you either have to fix or people get wrong or anything like that? Wow. There's so many. Um, okay. The number one thing. Or if it's a few of them, that, that's pretty important. You can share that okay. with us as well. Yeah. I see so many mistakes when it comes to depreciation. Okay. I just recently picked up a new client and I noticed that there was no depreciation on his, on his tax return. Gotcha. 
but for the type of business that he was, he should at least have some equipment of some sort. And when I asked him about it, he said, well, his prior accountant, well, he didn't even realize it wasn't there until we went and requested a depreciation schedule. And he, gotcha. the answer he got back was his prior accountant didn't want to draw attention to the tax return, so he didn't put it on there. Mm. And I went, oh, no. So we yeah. will be amending some tax returns for him. Gotcha. I see a lot of problems with, um, I'm going to call them maybe newbie type tax preparers that instead of listing things by category so we've got rent expense and postage and office supplies and advertising they'll list them by the vendor's names and they'll have you know 25 30 categories but they're by the vendor name because they don't know enough to put them in tax return category order gotcha. that's a huge red flag to the irs oh we got a newbie here they don't know what they're doing and so i see that unfortunately i see those um i see income and expenses being over or understated when I start talking to the client and I'll find, ask them, you know, what's your average income been, been over the last couple of years? Even this is after I've got copies of their tax returns and we'll get to talking and we'll realize that their accountant sometimes picked up their total income, maybe from a bank statement. And then they got the statement from the credit card company that had a number on it and they add the two together and put that on a tax return. Gotcha. I've seen those. Okay. Um, Boy, there's just so many different mistakes that are just glaring type mistakes to me. And I think if they're glaring to me, they're glaring to the IRS as well. For sure. For sure. Thank you for sharing that for sure. Uh, once again, Startup Nation, we're talking to Diane Gardner. She's the author of Unleash the Power of Tax Planning, 12 Powerful Tax Strategies That Will Legally Reduce Your Tax Liability. We have a link there in the show notes uh, for easy access. But a little birdie told me, uh, Diane, that there may be a freebie of some sort. Kind of share with us a little bit about that. We do. We have a what we call a tax planning or tax savings bundle okay. that we like to offer on our different podcast um, interviews. And if somebody would like to take advantage of that bundle, they just need to go to www.taxcoachforyou.com forward slash startup life. And that's www.taxcoach the number four, Y-O-U, forward slash startup life. Awesome stuff. And they can download our free bundle of all kinds of goodies in there. And we'll be happy to um, answer any questions or anything like that that they might have as well. Thank you so much for that freebie. We really appreciate it. And Startup Nation, you can catch that. We have a link there in the show notes uh, for easy access for that link to get uh, that, that bundle for sure. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Diane, we really appreciate that. Oh, you're welcome. I love to give stuff away to people. <laughs> gotcha, for sure. So uh, I, I want to ask you this because I saw that you recently celebrated a birthday. Uh, not oh, too no. long ago. No? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So I just, want, I just want to ask, what did you do? Did you have any fun? Did you, did you go out? What did you do? Well, unfortunately, my birthday falls right smack dab in the middle of tax season. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so um, on Sunday, we did get to go to lunch together as a family. So okay. that was nice. Okay. But it's just kind of funny. I've always asked my mom, you know, you know, couldn't you have planned this better? Knowing <laughs> I would grow up to be a tax accountant. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> she just laughs at me. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I want to ask you this, Diana. It's something I ask all of my, my guests on the show. If you could go... Uh, back in the time and talk to anybody and ask them one question, uh, uh, anybody from history, if you could ask them one question, who would you ask 
and what would you ask? Hmm, that's a good one. Um, has to be just one person. Uh, it doesn't have to be just one person. I would love to go back and talk to Zig Ziglar or Jim Rohn, some of those guys that really helped build the foundation of personal development. Okay. Because you think of t- all these years later today, we're still reading their their work and we're still quoting them. And what would it be like to just get to hang out with one of them for a while? Mm, That'd be amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have to agree with you on that one uh, for sure. And so before I ask the last question, I just want to say thank you so much uh, for your time here on the Startup Life Powered by the Binge Podcast uh, Network. You gave amazing value uh, from all things, you know, tax related, especially that employee independent contractor. That one's that one's always a big one uh, during tax season. Uh, so I'm actually going, and also thank you for the freebie as well. We definitely appreciate that. And Startup Nation, all of uh, Diane's contact information and web links and stuff like that is there in the show notes uh, for easy access. But Diane, I'm actually going to turn the microphone over to you because we have a, a, a entrepreneur out there that feels either stuck in their business or we have an aspiring entrepreneur that's afraid to even start. Give them some words of motivation to tell them to either start or keep moving forward. Dominique, back in 2009, mm-hmm. When I was sitting in the conference room of my office, watching my clients go out of business right and left, knew that I had bought this building in 2007, wondering how I was going to make payroll for my staff, and was basically just a puddle of tears. I didn't know if I was going to make it or not. And I looked up into this library of books that I have in my conference room, and I saw the book called Three Feet from Gold. And I don't know why, but I picked it up that day and I was getting ready to head out on a trip. So I read it on an airplane and that book hit me so strong, which when you feel like giving up, keep going because you never know when you're three feet from gold. And so the whole premise for those who haven't read that book, it's about a miner back in the olden days, I'll just say. (laughs) He had been mining away and he hadn't, wasn't getting anything. It wasn't getting anything. And I believe, um, it's been a while since I read the book now, but I believe that he ended up gambling away his, his right to somebody because it wasn't worth anything in his mind. They came in with some extra equipment and they were only three feet from a humongous vein of gold. Wow. And had he kept going, he was so close, but he, he gave up. And he, you know, he went away and did something different. But how many times in business have we hit the proverbial wall? We just feel like we can't go forward. We can't go up. We can't go down. We can't go sideways. We don't know what to do. We just need to put one foot in front of the next and do the next thing. Whatever that one thing is, take the next action, take the next step, whatever that might be, and let that propel you forward and don't give up because you never know when you're three feet from gold. And I can attest to that. My business is totally transformed from back then. And it's an amazing business now. Diane, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate your time. You'll be willing to come back? You bet. Anytime. Awesome stuff. All right, Startup Nation. If you want to let us know what you think about our show, have an idea for a show topic, or would like to advertise on our show, send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a great way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is there in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, 
Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or even on your Facebook timeline or any other platform you like to get your podcast. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. You can also listen to the show on the Startup Life Podcast new website. There you will find the all-new startup blog where I write on many topics that are interesting and helpful to you on your path to entrepreneurship. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life.